Good morning, church. I'm so, so glad to see you today. Hopefully you have all slept off your food comas. Uh, I know that we're still picking and grazing a little bit at our house. How about you? Yes, a little bit? Finishing up my series on uh, presence today. Uh, there are uh, basic, basically, or fundamentally, six human emotions. Happiness, sadness, fear, anger, surprise, and disgust. Now, there are, uh, or there has been some recent research on how human beings around the globe, uh, how their faces, their facial expressions change based on emotion. And what they found is that there is a, a connection between um, fear and surprise, anger and disgust. So there may only be four basic emotions, but for our purposes, we're just going to use six because there's plenty of research to... to to support that. Now, here's the interesting thing. There are different degrees or levels to each human emotion. Let's take happiness, for instance. On the, the very kind of low end of happiness, you have contentment. And uh, then towards the high end, you have overjoyed, right? Um, you can see this, especially in little kids, right? They're usually either one or the other, right? They're kind of, kind of quiet or they're really loud. Um, although sometimes it can be a little too quiet, right? <laughs> when that happens, you need to go check that one out. And then my favorite is, don't come in here, <laughs> right? But we have degrees with these emotions, and you can go through each one of these, and you can, you can look and see what you've experienced in the past and what you've experienced with the people around you. And some of you have come from homes where some of these emotions were very prevalent, right? <clears throat> and I think that um, human beings are hardwired to basically do one of two things. First of all is to seek pleasure and second of all is to avoid pain. How many of you would like to avoid a little more pain in your life, right? Yeah, yeah, we all are, are like that. So we have this kind of hardwired nature into us where we don't like pain and we would prefer pleasure. And then we have these emotions and we wonder why, you know, life is messy a little bit. <clears throat> we want kind of the, the positive emotions like happiness and maybe surprise, like especially, happy birthday, surprise, right? That kind of surprise is great. And we, what, we, what, what we try to do is we try to eliminate or at least uh, minimize things like sadness, fear, anger, and disgust. We, we don't typically like these. And so we kind of categorize them as good and bad or positive and negative. Would you agree? I think that's you know, fair to say. And yet here's the thing, though, and this is what, what has puzzled me for, for several years, is that, yes, we have these emotions, and some of them are, are painful. Some of them are ones that we would like to avoid. And yet, God put them all into us as human beings. And we try to, we try to separate our emotions from God, but I really think that God has, has put these things into us for a reason. And I think, they're, I think that they're there to help us understand how the world is unfolding in front of us. And so what I like to do is I like to call them signals. They're signals of things. And so what happens is, is that it's not the emotion that we're experiencing, but rather it's what we do with the emotions. That's what gets us into trouble, I think. And the two 
primary emotions out of these six that get us into the most trouble, you know what they are, anger and fear. Let's just be honest about that. Anger and fear are the things that get us into the most trouble. Now, let me, let me just kind of go back to this idea of, of signal. So we have anger. Anger is typically a signal of a blocked goal. Now, I want you to think about that for a moment. We get angry when we have this goal and it, we're, we're blocked from it. Now, sometimes that goal can be very unconscious. We don't know that we've got this goal, but we do. <clears throat> There's probably a number of ways to illustrate that. But I know that, for me, is that I like a certain amount of peace and quiet. And I find myself getting a little upset. Remember, there's degrees of anger. Get myself a little... That's a goal that I have, and when, when that gets disruptive, I'm, I get a little, you know, put out, right? Because I have a black goal. It's an unconscious goal. I don't, I don't want there to be chaos or, or noise around me. And when there is, I get a little ticked off about that. And, and you have your pet issues too, right? We all do. But if you find yourself getting angry about some things, one of the questions that you probably ought to ask yourself is, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. What kind of goal do I actually have here? What's causing that anger? Does that make sense? Or frustration. There it is on that... Oh, that, that scale of degrees. So we have to ask ourselves some of these questions, and anger's a, a, a great one. Fear, however, is the signal of uncertainty. When we're not sure what's going to happen, and maybe it's part of that hardwired into our system to fight or flight, right? I don't know if that's the case or not, but that would make some sense to me. And we have to make a decision, or we have to act when we feel that way. And so this idea of indecision and uncertainty is very, very disconcerting to us as human beings, and so we find fear. And by the way, anger often follows fear. Why do you think you get angry when somebody cuts you off in traffic? Okay, that's not, that might be a blocked goal, but really what it is is that they just put your safety in jeopardy by their stupidity. And so when that happens, you get upset. But the initial reaction was fear. Now, it might be split second between fear and anger. But the point is, is that one often follows the other. Not always, but it often does. So these two things may be related in some way, but the point is, is what we do with them. Pastor Dan and I have had this conversation several times, but we're always a little reluctant to put... Um, either the Christian fish on the back of our cars or the Thrive... <laughs> See, you guys are laughing because you know what I'm talking about, right? You know, or put the Thrive Church sticker on the back of our cars because, you know, we don't know how we're going to act in traffic sometimes. And that's just kind of the reality of, of being a human being, I think. And as I talk to people and, frankly, as I live my own life, Fear is overwhelmingly prevalent. We worry about things. And that fear can lead to certain physical manifestations too, like illness or acid reflux or heart problems, or, and the list goes on and on. 
And it also can lead to these things of anger and frustration that when they go unchecked or undealt with can cause us a whole host of problems, both inside and out. And so my question is, is as followers of Jesus, as people who claim that Jesus is our Lord, what do we do with those emotions? What do we do with those things? How do we handle these? And so today we're going to enter the scripture and we're going to ask. Now, incidentally, you just read it, but we're going to read it again. Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, I'm going to begin with verse number 4. And then I'm going to take this and I'm going to pick it apart a little bit and offer a couple of thoughts as we go along. Okay? Philippians chapter 4. If you have a Bible or a Bible app, you might want to turn there with me. We're going to spend all of our time in this one one segment. Philippians 4, beginning with verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This is the word of the Lord, and we believe it. And God, I would ask that you would uh, empower the words today. Lord, that we would uh, listen and we would find your presence in these things, and they would so change us that when we walk out of here, we'd be different than when we walked in. In Jesus' name, amen. This is the final part of of this letter that Paul writes to the church gathered in an ancient city called Philippi. These are his parting thoughts, as they were. These are what's important to him. He wants to make sure that, that he remembers, that his, his congregation remembers these things. And so I thought we might look to see what's underneath the hood a little bit. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. And this is interesting because... Um, this is great refrigerator magnet theology. Great to have a bumper sticker, t-shirt with this. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. And, and in Greek, the language that this was written in, it's almost poetic. There's a certain poetry to this. Um, but this word, rejoice, is, is a verb, and it means to be glad. It might be uh, also used to, to say to be well. It might even be used to say thrive. True story. Interesting word. But it's emotional. Rejoice. Remember we talked about happiness and that scale rejoicing is evidence of something that's going on inside. Almost as if the emotion is a choice. Huh. That's interesting. Right? Rejoice in the Lord always. How many of you are really good at that? Yeah, okay. I will say it again. Rejoice. This is important to what Paul has to say. Now, look at what happens in the very next verse. Let your gentleness be evident to all the Lord is near. Now, gentleness. i got to be honest. This one, this one puzzled me. And so I did a little bit of, of research. Some uh, translations uh, have the word reasonableness. Let your reasonableness be evident to all the Lord is near. Again, I'm not sure that's helpful, right? So we dig a little bit deeper. And it's a strange word, 
that Paul uses. In fact, I'm fairly certain that it's only used a few times in, in Scripture, and it's actually two Greek words that are kind of jammed together. And sometimes it's translated as patience, but today what we might say about this word is that it's level-headedness. Let your level heads be evident to all. That's the idea that's carried with this word. Let your, let your level-headedness be evident to all the Lord is near. Be level-headed. God is here. He is present. Does it make sense? And then the classic verse that we all have quoted at some point or another, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Do not be anxious. This word here, again, means troubled. Don't be troubled about anything. <laughs> I can't, easy for you to say, Paul, right? Mm. Don't be troubled by anything. By prayer and petition with thanksgiving. Oh, there's the word. That's what we're using. It's Thanksgiving weekend, right? Yes. Present your requests to God. He's here after all. I think this is just sound advice to a certain degree, is that, you know, don't be anxious, and by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, then present your request to God. And then he goes on to say, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Um, this idea here of of uh, peace, the peace of God, um, Irene, has with it this idea in, in Jewish thought of being of bal in balance, in equilibrium, in the equilibrium of God, which surpasses mental faculty, human understanding of things, will guard, I love this word, it means to protect from invasion. How many of you have experienced something so overwhelming the emotions just seem to invade your thought process? Come on now, be honest, you're in church. And it happens, we feel that way. Regard your hearts and your minds. You know, it's interesting to me because both heart and mind are required in order for us to react emotionally. Because remember, it's not the emotion that's the problem. It's what we do with the emotion that gets us into trouble. And so I think what Paul is, at least in part, trying to say is when we shift our focus from problem to problem solver, from whatever the issue is to God, then his spirit keeps us from going down that spiral of negativity. Have you ever watched that happen to somebody? They start at a certain point, well, they're, they're not happy about something. It might be the economy. It might be the government. It might be their family. It might be their boss, ad nauseum. And all of a sudden, that thought process, as they begin to talk to you, starts making this downward spiral, or pretty much, I hate everything at the end, right? And you can actually watch it, and you can hear it as they're speaking to it. Sometimes when my wife and I are talking to each other, we, we detect that we're going down the downward spiral. We'll actually say, hey, wait a minute. You realize you're going down the downward spiral, right? Oh, yeah. Maybe that might not be good for me. Let's not do that. Again, it's not the emotion, but it's what we do with it. And if we allow ourselves to start swirling around, we can end up in a very dark place. 
And I think that's important for us to realize. So maybe, as, as a possibility, a picture might help. So let's think about it this way. He says, this idea of let your level-headedness be evident. Don't be anxious, but by prayer, petition, and thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and then the peace of God. Are you seeing how this all tracks with one another? And that peace of God only supports your level-headedness. Because I don't know about you, it's really hard to be level-headed if I don't have a certain amount of balance, of equilibrium, a certain amount of peace in my own life. Anybody else feel the same way? Yeah, I think it's true for all of us. And so this little visual helps. And it seems to me that level-headedness is from peace. But we often don't know how to get there. That's the thing that happens. What I've noticed is, when I'm feeling emotional about something, or when I see other people who are emotional, I want to do something. You ever feel that way? I want to do something with it. And here what Paul is doing is giving us an option of what to do with it. Now, I've got to be honest. <clears throat> this can be hard. But let's think a little more deeply about these things. He says, don't be anxious, don't be troubled by prayer. What is prayer? Well, prayer is just talking to God. Let's not complicate this at all. It's simply talking to God, connecting with Him on some level and talking to Him. Petition. What does it mean to be petition? It's to ask, right? It's simply to ask, to petition something. You know, petition the court. You're asking the court. Petition. And oftentimes that petition is something you must repeat, by the way. It's not a one-and-done deal. Have you noticed that? And so by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, with gratitude. <laughs> I find this very fascinating. But there's this growing body of research around gratitude. If you spend any amount of time in the kind of self-help thing, especially on YouTube, it's all over the place, they talk about gratitude. Two things, meditation and gratitude seem to be a big deal. Kind of the techniques du jour, be gratitude. But there's this, there's this connection between gratitude and contentment. It's very hard to be discontent when you're grateful for things. And so the thought is, is that if you spend some time being grateful for something, you don't have to worry so much about contentment or discontentment, as the case may be. And I just find that fascinating because that's what Paul's been saying for about 2,000 years. Amazing how certain ideas come around, get repackaged, especially if they work. So let's be clear about this. In, in verse 5, the Lord is near. Keep that in mind. That's kind of the key to this whole thing is understanding that the Lord is near. He's around. He's present. And the antidote for reacting to things emotionally is simply to chase the presence of God. If you really want to do something, chase after the presence of God. And again, this is a lot easier to say than it is to do. Trust me, been there, done that. And so have many of you because I've talked to you about this. But chasing after the presence of God is the antidote to reacting to things emotionally. 
Let me give you an example. I did. I got cut off in traffic. God, that's not the way I want to be. And so I have to find that presence very quickly. I don't want to be angry. You know, maybe that person cut me off because they're trying to get to the hospital quickly. I don't know. I remember at one point in my life, Savannah, Georgia, going about 90 miles down the highway because my wife was in the seat next to me about ready to have a baby. I didn't care who I cut off. Right? I was a police officer and that would have been awkward. But the point is, is that you're going there may be parts of the story that we don't fully understand. And yes, sometimes they're just jerks. Okay? That's true. That, that happens. But the point is you don't know. And when we get to those moments where we're so frustrated and so angry, that's the moment. That should be the signal to us. We need God's presence. Don't be anxious. Don't be troubled by things, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving. Oh, God, thank you that I didn't get into an accident. Oh, God, if there's something going on in that person's life, I pray that you would help resolve it. Whether it's emergency or just stupidity, God, please intervene on their behalf. Right? It gives us something to do with this emotion that we all feel. But we have to chase after the presence of God. The, the interesting thing is he's always there. It's just whether or not we choose to connect with him. By prayer and petition, make your requests known with thanksgiving. So my question is for you this morning is, what, 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 what are you facing? What, what is it? What's your source of anxiety? What's your source of trouble? Because I know in a group this size, somebody's got some. And I know that, not just by statistics, the holidays are coming up. <laughs> And we know that that can be a source of anxiety for people. I mean, it's, it's just true. Because there's shopping to do, and there's baking to do, and there's kids' programs to go to, and then there's this stuff at church, and then and it goes on and on and on and on and on, and we all experience that. So what's your source of anxiety? And it strikes me is that when we deal with those things that trouble us, if I'm going to wrap this series up, maybe... Like Moses, you're standing on holy ground and you don't even know it. Maybe. Maybe you're experiencing a certain amount of darkness because God's getting ready to show up in a big way and he doesn't want you to miss it. And maybe, just maybe, you could hang on a little bit longer because God always speaks in a way that we understand may not be when you want it, but he does speak. And maybe those circumstances you're experiencing are God shouting to get your attention. It might be possible. Now, one quick caution. When you're anxious, it is really hard to get into the presence of God. There's a lot of noise in our head. And it drowns out that presence, doesn't it? Often, the last thing you want to do is to pray. Because I want to do something. Because prayer doesn't offer immediate relief all the time. We like immediate relief. Did you notice that? Microwave generation. Oh, no, Instapot. Instapot, that's the thing. No, honey, I did not buy you one for Christmas yet. 
But here's the thing. Pray, which is intentionally connecting. You have to be intentional about it. You have to say to yourself, I don't want to do this. I'm really upset. I'm angry. Choose your emotion. Fill in the blank. But God, I know this is what I need is to connect with you. And it's just talking to God. Again, don't make it complicated. And then petition. Tell God what's on your heart and be honest about it. That's the thing that strikes me is that we try to put these fancy words on it. Just sometimes go, God, I'm angry. I am ticked off at this family member or whatever it happens to be, and I'm angry about it. God already knows. You might as well be honest with yourself and with him, right? Because then we can get down to the core of the issue. I think this is an important piece of it because we try to, oh, God, if you could just help them, or God, maybe if you could just help me a little bit. No, start with, I'm really angry, and I really need some, some type of relief. I need something to do. I need some type of wisdom or insight here. God wants you to be honest with him. And you know what? You can ask him anything. Guess what? God can handle it. Seriously. I think sometimes we're afraid because we might, we might come across as a little too unholy for God. You know what? Trust me, God can handle your unholiness. So just be honest. How are you really feeling? Problem is, most of us don't even know. And then we're surprised when we can't connect with God. How can you know God when you don't even know yourself? Ooh. So be transparent with yourself and with God. Tell Him how you're feeling. That's what a petition is. Ask. This is how I'm feeling, God. Ask Him what it is. Allow Him some room to move, but be honest. And then do it with thanksgiving. And this is the really difficult part. And I have to say, this is the, this is the challenging piece even for me. How do you do it with thanksgiving? Because there's different things you can be thankful for, right? When you're in the middle of the prayer, the first thing is you can be thankful that it's not worse than it already is. That's a great place to start. Or you can be thankful for what God is going to do on your behalf. God, I'm going to thank you in advance for taking care of this problem and, and uh, giving that, um, that relative laryngitis this week or whatever it happens to be. Just something, right? Thank him in advance for those things. But the other thing you can do is you can ask yourself this question, how might this be to my benefit? Because like I said, sometimes we experience these emotions, these negative, what we call negative emotions, because God is trying to get our attention about something. And if God is trying to get our attention, I want you to think about this with me. The creator and sustainer of the universe wants to tell you something. How important is that? God, I don't like this. I don't like the way I feel. But if there is a way I can grow to be more like Jesus through this, then I'm going to be thankful. It's not pleasant. It's not easy. But it's true. And you can deal with those emotions that way instead of reacting to them, but respond to what God might have for you. A lot easier for me to say than to do. But I still think that's what the text is telling us. How might this be to our benefit? Jesus 
when he, just before he left the earth, he gave this practice to his disciples. You might remember it. The night in which he was betrayed, he was having dinner, a very special dinner, with his disciples. And he took bread, something that would have been on the table, very common, and after he gave thanks, he broke it, and he passed it to his disciples, and he said, take this and eat this, and every time you do, I want you to remember me. And then after the supper, he, he grabbed a cup, and he gave thanks for it, and he passed it to his disciples and said, take and drink, and every time you do, I want you to remember me. And it's interesting to me that this has been a practice handed down for 2,000 years plus, and it binds us not only to history, but also to every other Christian on the face of the planet. Connects us to all those things. And the ancient church understood something about this very simple act, the simple practice. They called it Eucharist, which roughly translated means Thanksgiving. So we don't just remember what Jesus did but we thank him for it. And isn't it just like God? He gives us this opportunity with a very physical act to be able to do something with those emotions to say thank you. God, I'm dealing with this, whatever this is for you. This is painful. I don't like it. Because you are here, this is not the end of the story, and I'm going to thank you for what it is that you're going to do because you already did something on the cross. Is this making sense? So we're going to participate in this thing called communion. And over on the table back there is some bread and some juice. And the way we do it here is we, we sing, and when you're ready, you get up, you walk back, you take, rip off a piece of bread, you dip it in the juice and eat. And you can take it back to your, your seat. You can do it right there at the table. You can go off to side. It's up to you. We want this to be meaningful for you. So do what makes sense for you. And here in the, at Thrive Church, we have what's called an open table. And that means if you're a follower of Jesus, oh, God, this is for you. We want you to be part of this with us. If you're still kind of exploring the whole Jesus thing and, and communion's one of those big question marks, it's, it's okay. You can stay seated. You don't have to participate, and nobody's going to look at you funny, I promise. And this is an opportunity for those who follow Jesus to say thank you and to receive the grace that he gives us. And I don't know about you, but I need more grace. Because for every person that cuts me off and makes me angry, I'm fairly certain I do that to 10 other people. Maybe not in traffic. By my words and by my actions and by the things I do, I need grace. Thank you, God, that you give us that. Maybe, just maybe, if all of us receive some grace and can give out mercy to others, we might just change the world. <laughs>